Hello and welcome to Over the Edge. In today's episode, you'll be introduced to your hosts, Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and Matt Trefiro, Chief Marketing Officer at Vapor.io, co-creator of the State of the Edge Report, and co-founder of the Open Glossary of Edge Computing. In this episode, Ian and Matt discuss the current state and future of edge computing, the vision for this podcast, and why now is an inflection point for the edge community. This podcast is made possible through the generous sponsorship of the following partners, Vapor.io, Packet, Seagate, Catchpoint, Ori Industries, Zenlayer, and NetFoundry. So please enjoy this conversation between your hosts, Ian Faison and Matt Trefiro. Welcome to Over the Edge. I'm Ian Faison, co-host of Over the Edge and CEO of Caspian Studios, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow co-host, Matt, what's going on? Hey, Ian. Not a lot. Super excited to get this podcast off the ground. Yeah, I am too. So we have been uh, in the proverbial lab here for a number of months creating this podcast, Over the Edge. And uh, for episode one, we wanted to set the stage on who this podcast is for, why we're doing it, who are the guests and the people that are going to be involved, and really the genesis for how this came to be. So, Matt, you have been involved in edge computing for quite a while. I want to start off with your involvement into the edge community. How did you get involved in the first place? Well, yeah, my intersection with the edge community was by happenstance. You know, I'm currently my job, I'm the chief marketing officer of Vapor.io, and we build infrastructure, data centers, and networking at the edge. And I had recently left my position at Mesosphere. So most of my career, I've been in software. Infrastructure has been something that I knew existed, but was completely abstracted. And I had befriended at Mesosphere Cole Crawford, who's the CEO of Vapor. And he used to be the executive director of the Open Compute Project, which is a standards organization that designs servers for hyperscale data centers. I'm oversimplifying it a little bit, but that's essentially open open designs for hyperscale data centers. It was founded by Facebook, but it's a very large organization now. And he's been in hardware all of his life. And we were just hanging out having coffee. And he was telling me about this business he had started, Vapor.io, which was building a new way of cooling servers in a data center. And he was trying to convince me to, to help him out with some of the marketing. And I was trying to figure out a way to nicely tell him that this wasn't my expertise and not necessarily my interest. And then he said, have I told you about my relationship with Crown Castle? And my first thing was, I don't even know who Crown Castle is. It turns out Crown Castle is the $55 billion company that nobody's ever heard about. They are a publicly held real estate investment trust that owns 45,000 cell towers, 75,000 miles of dense metro fiber. They are a powerhouse in the wireless industry. And Cole had struck a relationship with them to build data centers on their property to house servers that would enable a new class of computing, which serves these low latency workloads. This was probably three years ago. And I had never even heard the word edge. I came at it completely new. But even at that moment, I had an intuitive understanding that this was huge. This was as big as the entire internet. And it pattern matched for me 
a trend that I watched happen when I was, you know, probably a decade ago, two decades ago. It's 2020 now. So, you know, if you think about the evolution of the internet, the first time I used a web browser was 1995. And, you know, it was completely magical back then. You could sit at a computer and connect with almost any computer around the world, what felt like instantaneously, and request something from it, usually a page, you know, HTTP, show me this page. And back then, the internet was mostly text pages and, you know, ugly blink text and all of that, but it was still just a, a phenomenal experience that had never existed before. You know, prior to that, you had these closed networks like CompuServe and America Online and Prodigy, and uh, there was nothing like the internet that existed for the every person in a visual way, right? So this was the first time that you like had this ability to reach across the world and retrieve something, anything you wanted, or for people to publish something that anybody else could could read. And you know, if you think about that as the kind of first wave of the modern internet, right? This ability just to sit in a web browser and request a page. As we got closer to the late '90s, more and more people started using browsers. You know, Netscape became a real thing, and multiple browsers uh, emerged and our demand for richer content kind of broke the internet. You know, back then you tried to watch a 360p video, which is the lowest resolution for the most part that you can find on YouTube. Actually, there's one low resolution lower than that, but that's that's like a, about a traditional, you know, over the air broadcast television picture. And now we're, you know, looking at at 4K and 5K videos just orders of magnitude more pixels and depth and, frankly, bandwidth required. But back then, even watching one of these little 360p videos, you're constantly buffered, especially if the video was being served from a server at a different part of the world. And the reason for that is, you know, like the speed of light <laughs> actually matters. And the amount of data you need to send over long distance actually matters. And the reason we don't see that problem today was there were some researchers out of MIT that invented a new thing called the CDN, the Content Delivery Network. They went on to found Akamai, and Akamai ushered in what I would call the second act of the internet. And what Akamai did is they, frankly, invented edge computing, as far as I can tell. I went back into the literature, and I looked at as much research as I could. And the first mention of edge computing I could find was in the research paper that these guys wrote at MIT. And their idea that became the business was let's put servers that can cache content. So storage servers that can cache content, let's put them all over the world so that we can preload on those servers the content that people are most likely to request or the content that our customers pay us to put in those places so that when someone in Berkeley, California, where I am today, requests a video, if it happens to be on the server located near Berkeley, California, it can be served from that server and reduce the, the time and the amount of bandwidth required across the entire system. And you know, Akamai rolling out this global network of caching servers completely changed our relation to the internet. I mean, the reason we can watch 5K videos, the reason we can you know, use real-time responsive applications on the internet is because of these, these changes that were made to the network to allow that, to put servers closer to, to people. But there's another phase that we've, we've entered. If you think about the first two acts of the internet, it was mostly about humans talking to machines. 
And humans operate in ones of seconds or fractions of a second, right? You know, when I type a key on a keyboard in a Google Doc, I want to see that character appear, you know, within a, 100 milliseconds, 100 milliseconds or 200 milliseconds, right? I want it to happen very quickly. But for a machine, that's actually a glacial amount of time. And this, this era we're entering now with what we predict to be billions of sensors, cameras, things that need to be analyzed in near real time, generating just copious amounts of data 24-7, there's a demand for a new kind of processing, you know, a new type of, of internet that allows for processing significant amounts of data in in the kind of latencies that machines care about, which is you know, milliseconds, microseconds, and sometimes even nanoseconds. And so this demand has created this entire market for edge computing. And I mean, that's a long circuitous story, but that's how I got involved in edge computing. And that's how the entire world has recognized that edge computing is a very, very important evolution in the internet and the way that we interact with our world using computers. Well, and I think that one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you as a co-host on the show and to have you involved in interviewing some of the amazing edge computing leaders that we're going to bring on this is your knowledge of not just edge computing, but the ecosystem, the entire world that is edge computing. And because you have not had your head down on one particular piece of it, you've been looking across the entire landscape. And this started, or maybe it solidified a number of years ago when you started creating what became state of the edge you know now you're you're one of the uh, i'll say one of the world's experts in in edge because of your level of knowledge around it and i'm curious like what was the origin for creating what became state of the edge so yeah the state of the edge and for listeners who don't know what this is this was an organization that jacob smith who's the cmo of packet which was recently acquired by equinix and i um, had literally over beers in san francisco and we were just talking about, you know, the early days of the container movement, you know, with Docker and so on, and how it was really hard to sort out what was real and what wasn't. And there was a survey that a company did that was called the State of Containers. And I don't remember the company that even did it, but they did it every year. And it was like such a great read because it, it helped you put your finger on the pulse of what people were talking about and what people cared about. And we recognized that this would be a good thing to do in this early edge computing market and that we were capable of doing it because there, there was nobody else working on this in the kind of broad scope. So we founded this organization and we identified a handful of other companies who were willing to sponsor it. And we wrote a research report, Stay the Edge 2018 which is still available at stateoftheedge.com. And the vision for State of the Edge was to publish free, authoritative research on edge computing. And it's been a really amazing ride. We published three research reports. We spawned an edge landscape. We spawned the open glossary of edge computing. We grew our membership and our sponsorship. And most recently, less than a month ago, we conveyed the entirety of the project to the Linux Foundation, which which founded LF Edge. And LF Edge is a an umbrella group within the Linux Foundation, which is which contains solely edge computing related open source projects. 
And so we were able to convey the state of the edge to the Linux Foundation. It is a top-level project at LF Edge. It's a really interesting approach to open source, which was also fun about it. This idea that we could create a non-code open source project supported by the Linux Foundation was, I think, pretty innovative. I don't know if any other projects has done that. I think Wikipedia is the closest thing to something like this. But that was really the origin of the State of the Edge project back in 2018. And so we flash forward to today, and I think, you know, similar experience with you and I having uh, having a few beers and talking about what is needed currently in the marketplace. And kind of, you know, the, the adage is that if you ask 100 people to define edge, that you get 112 different answers. And we kind of started talking about, well, if that's the case, and things like State of the Edge are helping to make sense of that you know, once a year to really understand the ecosystem and add definitions and a framework to this. Well, maybe we should be interviewing the 100 people that have those 112 different answers and bringing things to people, you know, for free around the world to build a global audience around edge computing content that is, you know, just in time, that's the best experts in the world in a extremely high quality, you know, enterprise level show that is authentic. And that is something that the edge community can be involved with. And so, you know, as all things like this do, you sent up the proverbial bat signal. And lo and behold, we had a bunch of folks who wanted to be involved in this. Some of the, you know, most important folks in the edge landscape. I'm curious, like, what was the response when you shot out that note? Well, I mean, I think to your point, the industry has matured very rapidly. I mean, back in 2018, it was the Wild West. I mean, you could not get an authoritative answer from everybody. Every vendor that, you know, thought they had a product that was even remotely related to edge computing would slap that moniker on it uh, to see if they could get traction or interest from customers. And, you know, some things uh, were legitimately related to edge computing and some things were, you know, just bad marketing. And so back in those days, just sorting through all of that was one of the most important aspects of the state of the edge and, and a lot of the, you know, the other efforts that are like that. But today, there's much more maturity. I mean, real equipment is being deployed. Real customers are extracting value. There are a set of, you know, in, within like the Linux Foundation, you know, there are, I think, six, maybe more now, uh, top level projects within Alf Edge. And this has all happened in the last two years. So the industry is very different. And one of the things that's, that I think is really different is things change much more quickly. So having a weekly podcast that, as you say, is authoritative, takes the time and the patience to go really deep with practice area experts is, you know, a, a really important augmentation to the kind of yearly report that the state of the edge comes out with. So, you know, I, I think that that's a, the timing is perfect to come up with a podcast and bring those diversity of voices to the, I guess, not really the airwaves anymore, but to the internet, to a global audience, as you say. I think it's a, it's a really important time. So when I sent out that email, I mean, basically we talked about it like, well, how are we going to get this Edge podcast off the ground? And, you know, my response is, well, you know, I work for a small startup company. I can't afford it, but I bet I could get six or seven other people to pitch in with me and sponsor this. And sure enough, you know, within probably a month, we had more hands raised than we can take. And we accepted a total of seven sponsors who are funding the podcast, but really importantly, it isn't a sponsor-driven podcast, meaning it isn't an advertisement for the sponsors. 
You know, obviously the sponsors, you know, get some recognition for being a part of the show and having the conviction to fund it. But this is really about bringing the best experts in the field of edge computing, both historically and present day, to the show to be able to convey their point of view and answer the tough and easy questions about the state of edge computing. And I'm, you know, just based on the response of people who are interested in sponsoring the show, I think the show is going to be extremely successful. Yeah, and we have been doing interviews, talking to people. I think our our listeners are going to absolutely love the conversations that we're going to be bringing to them every week. These folks are best in class. They're practitioners, they're leaders, they're important names in edge computing. We're going to be talking about a variety of different topics within edge computing, a variety of different size companies, all of the players, so to speak. And you know, it's important to know for our listeners, this is a two-way dialogue, right? Like we're going to be asking these folks questions, but as you have questions, as you want to connect with these people, you can reach out to us and we'll try to make sure that we're getting the things that you want to know. You know, I think, you know, podcasts in general or any type of like radio or audio content has been for a long time, kind of a one-way street. We want this to be a two-way street. It's about building a relationship where you know, this is a place that you can go to ask, you know, folks questions and we can, you know, source those questions and and get back to you. So, you know, we're going to have a newsletter that we're publishing with, you know, excerpts from the episodes and things like that, but it's, uh, it's truly going to be a two-way street. Every episode is going to be packed with a bunch of insights and it's, uh, it's an exciting time. And I can tell you as, as someone who's been talking to these individuals and interviewing technology leaders for the past few years on a variety of different shows, this is going to be really exciting and it's going to be best in class. I, I, I truly like, I'm fired up to bring all of you these episodes. It's fun and hopefully everybody enjoys it uh, as much as we do so far making these. Matt, you know, I'm curious Back to the question of, of what edge, what is edge and, and why is this so important? It feels like this is obviously nascent. Like the whole community is still very, very early. One of the things that we wanted to do in making this show now is so that we can mature along with the community and continue to get the best practices and things in this show right away. Why are you so you know bullish on edge and, and what does the future hold a little bit? Well, you know, it's interesting. So one of the other things that's happened in the last two years since we published the first uh, State of the Edge report is there has been a lot of convergence around the definitions of edge. You know, part of this driven by the Open Glossary of Edge Computing, which is now a working group within the State of the Edge project of LF Edge. But prior to conveying State of the Edge to the Linux Foundation, it was actually its own top-level project at LF Edge. And that project, along with the project leaders at LF Edge across the different projects, have been working very hard to bring some crisp definitions to what is and what is not edge computing. And I think that at the highest level, you know, it's, it's about bringing the compute closer to the device or user that needs it so that whatever is being analyzed or presented can be done in near real time, you know, at sort of machine speeds. And so whether that's providing decision support to an autonomous car or an autonomous drone, or whether that's that's doing real-time analysis on, you know, a robotic factory, whether that's, you know, processing images or delivering virtual reality games, all of those require these very, very low latency applications to be to be run in an environment. 
And so edge computing has, I mean, it really stretches from the device, whatever that device is, whether it's a sensor or an iPhone or an automobile or a drone or a camera up through maybe the gateway or a local server on-prem that's processing that data, up through the last mile networks, so the the emerging 5G networks, the existing wireless LTE networks, the cable networks, the fiber optic networks, to the, the access edge of the internet, which is you know sort of the first place on the upstream side where you can place servers and compute. And it starts to become not edge once you leave the regional internet exchange point or the regional data center. So if you think of the way the internet works, you've got this kind of hub and spoke uh, model where you've got these major internet connect points. And that's kind of you know a, a nice sensible dividing line between edge and not edge. But it, it's really that whole space from the internet exchange or the regional data center all the way down to the device. And there are hundreds of companies that are building different kinds of technologies, hardware, software, you know, orchestration systems, data processing systems, artificial intelligence systems. It involves everybody, it involves all the major cloud providers, it involves all the major silicon providers. It really is the size and scope of, I mean, think about like cloud. I mean, it will probably be as rich, as lucrative, and as large as the growth in cloud over the last, you know, three decades-ish. And I think it's important to know that there is no finish line, right? Like, this is not something that, you know, will come into fruition in the next year. It's like, this is a long journey, and there's going to be lots and lots of winners over the years that take part of this journey. And one of the things that we're trying to do is bring all of the players in this space onto a show to be able to talk to them about the things that they're building to separate the, uh, the wheat from the chaff. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like you said, you know, slap it on logos, something's edge, but it's not really edge. And we're going to talk to the folks that, that are really building that are out there working on those things. Yeah, and and I think one of our goals is to bring a diversity of viewpoints. You know, there there are disagreements and you know, people have different philosophies of where the best place to put the processing is and that's how companies differentiate. So it's really interesting set of discussions and it's not at all clear which model which model or models is going to prevail, but there's a, a lot of really smart business people and technologists looking to solve the problem of how do you run processing on data or present data in very, very low latency ways, in ways that, that our world hasn't really demanded because we didn't have the, the plethora of, of sensors or the AI that was capable of processing the data from those sensors. And now all those things are converging and they're happening primarily at the edge, which you know has 110 definitions. <laughs> but somewhere between, I think we can all agree, somewhere between the regional data center and the device. It'd be very hard to disagree with that. And we're going to be bringing on folks from companies like IBM, Intel, Amazon Web Services, places like that, Microsoft, or you know, large organizations from educational institutions like Carnegie Mellon and places like that. We're going to be bringing on startups and and you know, down to the practitioner level. It's truly going to be a podcast that explores the rich tapestry of 
the edge computing landscape. And I, I just can't wait for everyone to be able to to hear all the stuff that we have coming on. So I, I do want to talk about our sponsors for a second here. We just have some awesome companies that we're working with. I'll list them now. We have Packet, we have Seagate, Catchpoint, Ori, Zenlayer, NetFoundry, and of course, Vapor.io. Matt, why these seven? Why the Magnificent Seven here? <laughs> well, I mean, e- each of them, I think, is participating for uh, a different reason. You know, Packet and Vapor do a lot of things together. Jacob and I, as founders of the Stay the Edge, tend to think alike and see alike. And we've been talking about doing a podcast for quite a long time. So this is a natural for us. Seagate has been a partner of Vapor.io's for the last two years. And they've you know been great participants on the marketing side and are very eager to help us educate the market. They helped uh, stay the edge, in fact, with some of their research on a Data at the Edge report, which is also available for free at the Stay of the Edge website. And then you've got companies like, you know, Catchpoint, Ori Industries, Zenlayer, NetFoundry. And I I think what really holds all of these sponsors together is a passionate desire to raise the tide for all the boats. And I think that, that certainly that's how I feel, that we're still so early in the market here that it's crazy to compete with, like, information, what we really should be competing with is on the technical differentiators in our products, not on like how we think the world works. And I think all these companies share that, this general belief that by bringing more people into the community, helping to educate them, helping to share diverse points of view is actually going to accelerate all of our businesses, because ultimately we're in business, right? I mean, Vapor.io is trying to, to lease space in its data centers, and you know, Seagate's trying to figure out how to sell more storage devices and so on. So ultimately, this is about helping to accelerate the market and the understanding of the market so that people are willing to uh, invest money ahead of the curve and make this happen uh, faster. And I, I think we're already seeing the results of that. I think, again, you look at the early days in cloud, there was no LF Edge, right? There was no equivalent of a group of companies saying, let's align around the things that we don't want to compete against, right? I mean, that's the whole point of open source. The whole point of open source is let's identify a set of foundational components that we can build collectively, invest in collectively, atop which each of our businesses can build a differentiated strategy. You know, it's like back in the old days of 35 millimeter film, you know, everybody agreed, like, let's, let's make the film with the sprocket holes that are this far apart and the film is 35 millimeters and you know we're not going to compete on the distance of the, the of the sprockets or the holes but we'll compete on the technology of the emulsion and the lenses and the mechanics of the shutters and things like that and i think uh, this is the same thing like let's decide we're not going to compete on information and history we're not going to compete around these open source components that we believe are part of the substrate and that just accelerates the industry. And I think that's, that's something that the, the world has figured out over the last couple of decades. I mean, you remember open source wasn't a thing. You know, there was a time when everything was, was closed source with a few exceptions. And that's not the case anymore. Now people understand that you can meaningfully accelerate technologies in an industry by working on collaborative components that become the, the support structure for the ultimate businesses. One another thing that I would say about the Magnificent Seven, as uh, as we call them, um, is that they all recognize that creating this type of podcast for free for the world was really important. And 
You can't go to class for this stuff. Like there's no training that you can go to. Like this is it, right? There's a handful of really good blogs and newsletters and things like that. There's State of the Edge and there's a handful of uh, other podcasts and stuff that, that are doing good work. But really there's just, there's not a democratization of information in this topic. And it's really, really important because if you don't have that, like it's not gonna be in the school books anytime soon. And one of the cool things as we as we have got a chance to interview the leadership teams and talk to, you know, all of the sponsors is that they really believe that this type of content should be free for the world and free for people, you know, anywhere in the world who want to get interested in edge computing, that this can be a resource for them. And hey, it's cool to see. And I, it, it really, it fires me up and makes me excited to, to share this with everyone. Yeah, that's a really good point. This is this stuff is not taught in schools. And, you know, you think about like all the things required to make an industry work, right? You have to have investors who believe in its future. And investors that listen to the show are going to understand the opportunities and the different points of view and they can form an investment thesis by listening to the show. It's going to require us to be able to recruit employees that are excited about and educated in edge computing. And this show is going to help excite people about learning more about edge computing and specializing in it. This is going to, you know, customers are going to have to be aware of the types of solutions and when they might be available so they can do, make it part of their budget planning, make it part of their business strategy. And this show is going to help them do it. So you think about all of the people, and I just listed three or four, that need to be in place in order to really bring a large collective market into existence, this show is going to be the perfect catalyst for that. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm just beside myself thinking of all the stuff that we're, we're going to share. Again, thank you to all of the uh, listeners. I hope this explains a little bit why we're doing what we're doing, why we're so excited about this show. What are some of the things that we're going to do? We have a lot of surprises in store, but remember this is a two-way street. You know, Reach out to us anytime. Team at overtheedgepodcast.com. Send us any notes, any thoughts. If you have guest recommendations, you have topics you want us to discuss, you have all those things. We're going to be doing this every week for a long time to come. So we'll have different guests pretty much every week and lots of lots of fun. Matt, any final thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to do this too. And I think you know th- this will probably be the last time that anybody has to hear the two of us talk about this uh, in a vacuum because the focus is going to be on the guests. And we've got some really, really interesting guests lined up. You know, as Ian was saying, from you know the some of the researchers at universities that have been doing interesting work in edge computing for many many years, to the folks that are trenching fiber and you know embedding uh, devices in automobiles. So it's going to be a very very panoptic and sophisticated show, and I'm I'm really excited to get to know these guests and interview them. Awesome! Thanks, everybody. Talk soon. That does it for this episode of Over the Edge. Over the Edge is made possible through the generous sponsorship of the Magnificent Seven, Vapor.io, Packet, Seagate, Catchpoint, Ori Industries, Zenlayer, and NetFoundry. To get in touch with the show, email us at team at overtheedgepodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.